The Being an Engineer podcast is a repository for industry knowledge and a tool through which engineers learn about and connect with relevant companies, technologies, people, resources, and opportunities. Enjoy the show. I'll just say one of the biggest lies that I've ran into several times inside the engineering field is that everything is important and everything is not important. There's certain tasks that are going to help you to reach your goals a lot faster than others. So your must do's are going to be those tasks that directly contribute to you completing the goals that you have set for yourself. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Being an Engineer podcast. Our guest today is Matthew Gaddy, who is an electrical engineer and the owner of Gaddy Consulting LLC, where he is a coach focused on helping engineers work more productively, which is a topic I personally find fascinating and have thought a lot about over the years. So I've been very excited to uh, to talk with you on the show today. Welcome. Uh, thank you for being with us. Matthew. Thank, thank you so much for having me, Aaron. And we've had a couple of scheduling snafus, so it's great to finally get to meet you <laughs> and, and share with your listeners. Likewise, likewise. Okay. Um, uh, speaking of our listeners, um, I want to share real quick here that this is episode number 100. Oh, so wow. it's kind of a, yeah, it's a big milestone. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, big shout out to the rest of my team who helps us produce the podcast. There's Raf and Nikki and Diane and Josh, all part of the team that produces the Being an Engineer podcast. So thank you for, uh, for all the hard work that they put into this and a uh, big pat on all of our backs for episode number 100. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> to all of you. Thank you. All right. So Matthew, what, what made you decide to become an engineer? Um, two reasons. One, my father is actually an electrical engineer. He's been working with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission for almost 30 years now. Wow. Um, so when I first was going into college, being exposed to someone who is an engineer, understanding how that kind of mindset works, it really opened my mind to what could I, well, how can I approach different types of problem solving? My dad's a real big problem solver. And when I saw that in him, he really inspired me to adopt that sort of mentality. Um, when I first went to college, it was one of those things where engineering was the thing that really kept me out of trouble. It, it kept me busy enough. It kept me focused enough. It kept me in my studies enough to really say, I have to devote X amount of hours each and every week to make sure that I'm being successful and being studious and learning all the subjects and being able to do well on tests, do well on exams, do well in just my uh, college experience. So it really helped me to look at problems in a in a more engineering problem solving way and see how can we, how can we analyze this? And then also it kept me busy. So that was one, two, two big things that really helped me to, to choose engineering and also to stick in engineering as well. Awesome. I can definitely relate to uh, the long hours. I, yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of time for partying. During, no, not uh, at all. School. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so, uh, how how did you get into coaching engineers and and maybe maybe you can spend you know thirty seconds or a minute or so talking about uh, your engineering career and and how you got to this point? Um, so initially, I had an internship at Encore Electric Delivery. It's a utilities company here in Texas. From there, it transitioned into my first job, and the reason well. 
being around engineers, being in that particular environment, working in a metering department, then transitioning into standards. I was exposed to a lot of engineers who simply said, this would be a great thing to get done, but I don't have the time to do it. And so there's these, all these projects that can make our lives easier, all these projects that could take this six-hour process and knock it down to a one-hour process, but we could not find the time to get them done. So when I saw that gap inside of the market, I knew that I could find a way to serve that particular niche because of what I had learned in school. Looking, going back to school, kind of referring back to what we talked about before, the reason I got into productivity and just studying it and looking at it more in depth in the first place was that I wanted to figure out how can I optimize my study time? How can I make sure that when I'm studying, I'm not just here sitting down for six hours doing nothing and just looking at a book or going through a a chapter and then getting through and not remembering what I did. I did something wrong. I didn't figure it out. How can I really optimize my study time? How can I really make sure that I'm spending the time that I'm spending is being used effectively? So that got what's got me into productivity space. And then when I saw that gap in the market, I really opened my eyes to say, hey, I kind of figured it out. This is something that can help you all out as well, because not only are you able to make sure that your daily activities are matching up with your goals, it helps you to make time for those projects that can really help you to shorten your work cycle a lot, because it doesn't always it doesn't only affect you. It affects the people that work around you, your department, your company, and then the world at large, ultimately. Okay, excellent. This is a perfect segue into my next question. So we have been super, super busy uh, at Pipeline lately, probably our busiest period maybe ever. And to, to help us kind of stay focused and um, keep moving the ball forward in a meaningful way, I have introduced a theme to my team. And, and the theme is um, uh, take a look at what you're doing and decide, is this a uh, a must-do activity or is this a should-do or a could-do activity? And if it's a should-do or could-do activity, either write it down and save it for later or just discard it entirely uh, and if it's a must do, then of course, let's, let's do it. Um, one of my engineers, uh, when I introduced this theme, he, he asked a very poignant question. He said, how do we know if it's a must do activity versus a could do or a should do activity? And uh, I, I had my answer, but I'm, I'm curious to hear what you would, how you would answer that question. So when I'm thinking about the difference between a must do, a could do or a should do task, it really comes down to your goals, looking at your goals and letting your goals determine what your actions should be rather than just opening your your email and just saying, I got all these emails. These all have to be done. Um, because one of the biggest, I'll just say, one of the biggest lies that I've ran into several times inside the engineering field is that everything is important and everything is not important. There's certain tasks that are going to help you to reach your goals a lot faster than others. So your must-dos are going to be those tasks that directly contribute to you completing the goals that you have set for yourself or that your management has set for you. And that's the way I would define it. Does it lead to a goal? It's a must-do. Does it not lead to a goal? Yeah, you could probably let it wait for a little bit. Awesome answer. And so that presupposes that we actually have goals, right? Mm -hmm. Written down somewhere. Yes. And I think ultimately my answer is the same. What I said was take a look at the PRD, the project or the, the project requirements document. Does your activity directly help us move the needle in terms of uh, achieving those requirements? If it's yes, then it's a must do. If no, then it's a could do or should do. Um, <clears throat> Let's see, you, you teach this concept that focus mm -hmm. is a muscle. 
and, um, and, and that it can be trained. Can you talk a, a little bit about that specifically? What are, what are some ways that we can strengthen that focus muscle in our brains? Okay. So when we're looking, thinking about a, our brains, when we think about our brains are actually a muscle. Well, how do you train a muscle? In the same way when you're in a gym, if you want to get bigger biceps, well, guess what? You have to train those biceps. You have to properly eat, properly hydrate, and let them recover. Same basic principle applies when you're thinking about your focus. You build your focus by focusing. So a great way to do this in an intentional way is through meditation and also setting focus timers. Now, when I say meditation, people's alarms go off and they're like, what are you doing? What's going on? And it's simply... <laughs> what kind of hippie nonsense Exactly. Is and a way that you can look at it is just simply focus training. Um, it's literally sitting down, setting a timer, five, ten minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever you're comfortable with, and just focus on your breath. And literally, whenever your brain goes over here and you remember, I have to take the dog out or I need to cook this food or my wife told me to get this thing, just bring your attention back to your breath. You're training yourself to ignore those distractions and to concentrate on the task at hand. Another way to train your focus is to, when you're working, putting together a timer, put it, putting away all your distractions. If you have a 30-minute timer, putting away your phone, closing your email browser, whatever it may be, and working on that one activity for 30 minutes at a time. Slowly, over time, you'll be able to figure out, hey, I can get through 30 minutes pretty easily. Increase it to 45, increase it to 50, increase it to 60, increase it to whatever you feel is comfortable and that won't overly impede the progress of the project you're working on. And that slow and gradual progression will help you to build your focus over time simply by performing the activity that you're trying to improve. I love that. And like any other muscle, the mind, I think, can atrophy as well yes. if, if we don't um, focus its its attention in that way. I I started meditating a few years ago, and I used an app called Headspace. I really liked it, uh, guided meditation, and I like I like the way you put it, focus training. Right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't quite sound as woo woo as, exactly. as meditation. <laughs> focus training, um, and I used it for maybe four or five months, and, and kind of got to the point where I understood the process. I understood uh, how the guide was shepherd me shepherding me through this process, and uh, so I, I kind of stopped using the app, but I still do that basic process. Um, which is I, I spend maybe about a minute just being aware of um, what my body is touching. You know, mm -hmm. a minute, what is my back touching? What is my foot touching? What is my bum touching? Spending just a minute being aware of that. And then I spend another minute um, being aware of all the sounds around me. And it's really interesting how many sounds you can pick out if you really concentrate on your environment, right? Exactly. All, the, all the different sounds going on. And then I spend another minute doing kind of a, a scan from my head down to my toes. And this scan is, is just like a mental check-in with different parts of my anatomy to see how they're all feeling. <clears throat> and, and and I found that to be a really great short little meditation or focus training that I could do. And I, I also found that when I stopped doing it and then I started again, I did not have near the the focus that I had when I was doing it consistently, um, and and that was that was very clear to me as as I would kind of go in and out of of these different periods. So, um, so uh, along along a similar vein here, uh, what are a few of the most common distractions that you see engineers uh, encountering, and and uh, how, how do you help them defeat those distractions? So the three biggest ones that I encounter frequently are cell phones, email, and then other people when we were working in offices and work remotely. So the biggest one, cell phone. You always have your cell phone on you. Your cell phone is basically, I heard uh, 
someone say you're, we're basically androids now because we have to have this piece of technology in order to function properly. <laughs> it's always with us. And I'm not going to be the person that says you have to get rid of your cell phone. You can't use your cell phone. It makes you dumb, stupid, whatever. But we have to have instrumentally put times in our calendar where we're going to say this has to sit over here. We have to plug it into the wall. We have to put it away. We have to turn it on silent, whatever it may be, because it increases the chances that we get distracted. You don't have control over when you get text messages. You don't have control over when you get calls, but you do have control over if you're going to respond to them. And also if you're going to make yourself aware to that text message or call being being come in. So my encouragement to all the engineers listening to this, whenever you're in your work period, set aside 30, 45 minutes of distraction-free time. Put your phone on airplane mode. I promise you 30 to 45 minutes will not kill you because you probably <laughs> missed something for 30 to 45 minutes before and didn't know it then. The second one is email. There was a study done, I believe, of the University of London. And they found that when you have un you're, when you're aware of unread email inside of your inbox, your IQ literally drops by five points. And this wow. is because, yes, because your brain begins to try to predict, well, it's 2 p.m., what could that email be about? It could be from Sharon because I was waiting on an email from Sharon. Well, if it's from Sharon, it's probably about Project XYZ. And if she's talking about XYZ, we're probably thinking about this. And your brain is doing all this processing in the background when you're supposed to be focusing on whatever you're focusing on. Having unread email and being aware of it, it makes you dumber. So whenever you're working, close your email. Once again, 30 to 45 minutes will not kill you. And a great way to make sure that it won't kill you is to let other people know, put it on your calendar, 45 minutes, block it out. This is my time to work on XYZ project. The very last one is other people. If we're always available, we're never available. If I'm always having an open door policy and people can come in, well, guess what? I'm never fully focused on the person that's coming in. And I'm also never fully focused on what I'm working on because at any point I could be interrupted. So once again, setting aside time to say, this is my dedicated time for me to work on this project. And then you can also set up some like in college office hours. If you need to speak to me from Monday, Wednesday, Friday, from three to four, I am wide open. And when you come in, I can devote all of my attention to you. I'm not going to be trying to listen to you and read this email or answer this phone call or work on this project. I am focused on whatever Aaron is saying. I'm all the way present. And that allows you to be more productive. It allows you to engage with your whoever you're talking to better and also makes them feel like they can, you care about them because you're not talking to them and checking my phone and doing everything else you have to do. Love it. I love it. I fell victim to these distractions just a few weeks ago. I remember I had something blocked out on my calendar. So that was a good first step, you know, um, that I was supposed to accomplish. And during that time, I got a message from, I can't even remember who it was. It was a direct message on Teams or something. And I thought, oh, this might be important. I'll just respond to this real quickly. And so I did that. And, and then as I did that, uh, um, I think I glanced at my email and I saw a couple of emails in there. Well, I'll just, I'll respond to these. Right. Quick. It won't take long. <laughs> and then, and then someone called me and I was like, oh, well, this is an important customer. I, be I better answer the phone. And so I did and ha ended up being a half an hour conversation. All of a sudden I had lost an hour right. and I did not <laughs> accomplish what I set out to accomplish that morning. Um, because I, I hadn't shut down all those things, right? I think that we're, we're just not strong enough to avoid the temptations when we see little dings and notifications from, uh, uh, you know, a team's message or email or someone calling us. And so I've, for myself anyway, I know I'm not strong enough to overcome those temptations. If I don't shut all those things down, chances are I'm probably going to look at something. So if I, if I really need to get something done, I just have to shut it all down. Yeah. So two, two really quick things about that. One, there was a study done. I forgot who did it. I 
I will find it for your listeners. Uh, there's a study done, and they found if you put your cell phone six feet away, the chances that you actually go and get to it drop by 80%. If you put your phone more than six feet away because you have to get up and move and your body is lazy, you're just like, I'm not, it doesn't exist anymore. It's <laughs> over there. The second thing is, is that you, it means that technology is working right. We have all these people that work on some of these neural triggers, these neural pathways, these things that we really don't even understand or have a cognizant awareness of saying, hey, if I use this color, this color intrigues the human brain better than this one. So it's not all your fault. It's, it means that the system works. It means that the program works. So the best way to do it is just to avoid it altogether. That's why putting your, turning all your notifications off on your phone when you first get it. So you have to physically go check your phone. Things like that. It can really help you to avoid that problem by never experiencing that problem in the first place. Great, great advice. And that will help you focus very deeply, which leads me to my next question. Can you talk a little bit about deep work? What is deep work and why, why should we care about it? So deep work is a term that was coined by Cal Newport. And the overall concept of deep work is spending time, spending enough time with a particular project in order to obtain a result that cannot be done in a distracted state. There's certain problems that you will not be able to find the solution to unless you can stick with that particular problem and be fully focused on it. And that's where the real work lies. When we often, what we often fall trap into is doing shallow work, which is the opposite of that. Oh, I can answer this email. Oh, I can do this thing. Oh, I can do whatever I have to do in a scattered brain state. It doesn't take a lot of mental focus. It doesn't really take a lot of mental energy or fortitude, but the real work, the real result comes from when we're able to sit down with the problem, able to stay with that particular problem, be able to be fully engrossed in that problem and work through that problem into a solution. And it's not something that we can do if we're on our phone at the same time. It's not something we can do if we're checking emails every five minutes while we're doing it. It's something that literally is going to require the best you have, the best of you. And in order to get the best of you, you have to be in a state where your attention is not being pulled in one direction or another direction. It has to be all fully focused on whatever you're working on. The best way to think it is that the level of your focus is directly proportional to the level of your potential you're able to express in a task. So if you want to be able to perform better in whatever task you're working on, the first thing you should do is figure out how can I increase my focus when I'm working on this. It won't turn you into Elon Musk, won't turn you into Steve Jobs, won't turn you into Jeff Bezos. But whatever your peak is, you'll be able to reach it a whole lot better if you're in a fully focused environment than if you're one where you're trying to do 90 million things at one time. Awesome. I, I agree with that as well, 100%. Um, I don't spend a whole lot of time doing CAD design work myself these days, but every now and then I, I will do that. And I, I definitely, I'm going to toot my own horn just a little bit. Here. <laughs> I'm pretty quick when it comes to CAD design, even, even after having not done a whole lot of it the past few years. Uh, and if I shut everything down and get, get into my deep work groove, right, my flow, I can really knock out some CAD design pretty quickly. But if I keep my email open and I'm right. checking this <laughs> and I'm checking that, I just, I never get anywhere, anywhere close to the same level of productivity there. Um, uh, so sometimes, uh, this is the case for our team right now for sure. And we all experience periods when we're just really, really busy. There's a lot to do more than usual. And, and sometimes the, the right answer is not necessarily to spend more time working, but it's to spend, uh, spend your time getting better organized. Can, can you talk a little bit about, um, how, how have you helped engineers get better organized? so that they can accomplish, you know, uh, all this work that's in front of them. So 
it kind of goes back to our, I believe is our initial question. Well, what is a, a must do and what is a could do and a should do? It really goes back to what are you actually trying to achieve? You want to figure out what are you actually trying to do? You don't go to work to answer emails. You don't go to work to answer phone calls. You don't go to work to just talk to people. You go to work to do a thing. Now, first thing we need to do is figure out what that thing is. Can we define that thing? Okay, we've defined that thing. Now let's break that thing down because we can't, we don't just go out and, and accomplish a goal. We accomplish the steps that culminate in the accomplishment of that goal. You can't go out and work on, we need to finish this project. What does that mean? You have to break that down. Well, we need to get this design first. We need to talk to this customer. We need to do X, Y, Z things. When you're able to take your goal and able to break it down into action steps, it gives you a lot more clarity on what you should be doing. It also gives you a lot more clarity on what you shouldn't be doing. Now, once you have those tentative steps planned out, when you're able to say this is the rough framework, because we're if, if we could see into the future, wouldn't have this problem. Sometimes we can't. There's going to be things that pop up. We have our tentative plan. It gives us a framework to operate from, and it gives us something to adapt rather than creating a new plan on the fly because our initial idealistic plan got blown out the water because something happens. So it starts with figuring out what you're trying to achieve and then planning backwards from that. Once you have your steps, it, you're able to place each one of those steps onto your calendar so that you've already created the space for you to work on each individual task. Will this task extend beyond the time I have scheduled for it? Sometimes it will. But guess what? Often, more often than not, it'll fit inside of that task or, excuse me, inside of that time block. And if it doesn't, if your time block was for 30 minutes and it goes to 45, well, guess what? If you didn't have that 30-minute time block, it might have taken you an hour and a half to do. So it helps you to save time that way. So Figure out what your goals are, break them down, place them on your calendar, and then execute on them powerfully. Working in a distraction-free environment, utilizing deep work principles so that you're able to express your fullest potential in whatever task you're working on. Hey, man. Man, that's good <laughs> stuff. I love it, man. Appreciate it, man. All right. Well, uh, let's see. I I participated in, uh, it was a, a year-long coaching program. And this was uh, more of a like a business coaching, not engineering coaching, um, called Strategic Coach. And one of the strategies that they taught us was, uh, it was called the entrepreneurial time system. And it, it was composed of three, three types of days that they called buffer days, focus days, and free days. Buffer days were the days where you just get, you know, all, all the stuff done that has to be done, like uh, everyday type things, whether it's answering emails or it's not really stuff that's moving the needle. It's just the generic stuff that has to be done as, as, as part of your role. Um, and, and there, there were the focus days, which were the days that you actually focus distraction free on the things that really do matter, you know, moving the needle. Um, those are probably the, 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 your, your deep work days, like you were talking about. Um, and then there were the free days where you do nothing. And really they, they strongly advocate that you do nothing or no, no work related activities anyway. Um, the, their argument was that these days, they don't need to be in any particular order. Um, nor do they need to follow the, the typical five day work week and, and two day weekend. Now, a lot of us work with companies that you kind of do need to follow that. So there might be a little bit of deviation between the entrepreneurial time system there and, and, uh, the time system that engineers need to follow. But you get the picture. Um, uh, it, it, it's an interesting approach. And I, I, I really do like the concept of blocking off certain types of activities, um, and working on them together. You, you have your own system called the, the time block, uh, the time blocking system. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Can you, you know, without giving away all the secret sauce? Oh, y'all can just, have it uh, all. It's okay. <laughs> talk, talk to us a little bit about that. What, what is the time blocking system? So the uh, time blocking system is a four-step productivity system. It's the one that I use. It's the one that I teach with my clients. So the first step is identify. And this is where you're going to identify the goals that you want to achieve. What we talked about before, what are you really trying to do? You need to figure that out first because without knowing that, you're just doing stuff. And you'd be working 10 years, realize, oh my gosh, I am not where I want to be, but I got all this stuff done. So we want to figure out what you're trying to achieve. Identify your goals first. Second thing you're going to do is select. You're going to select the tasks that help you to achieve those goals. We don't achieve goals just because we set it and we put it on our calendar and we read it every day. We have to work towards them. We have to do the things that lead to the culmination of that goal. So we want to select those particular tasks, break that goal down so that we have an action steps that we need to follow. The third step is plan. If we fail to plan, we plan to fail. One of the biggest things that I see in engineers is that we our workplace calendars just have what meeting I'm supposed to be in. Uh, I need to go to this particular job site. But we haven't designated time on our calendar for us to work on specific tasks. And when you're able to do that, it creates a flywheel for you because you're able to say, you're able to come into work with a plan. You're able to know exactly what you're working on and when you're going to be working on it. And it gives you the confidence in knowing at the end of your day that I moved closer to the goals I'm trying to achieve today. And that gives you the confidence to do it the next day. And the last one is execute. We talked about before, executing on these goals powerfully, putting everything that you have in them. One, so you're able to increase the quality with which you are producing it. And then also you're able to increase the speed at which you produce it. If you want to produce things faster and also produce them at a better quality, like we talked about before, you want to increase your focus. You want to create these deep work times. You want to defeat distractions wherever you can. So that's the, t- the time blocking system. Identify, select, plan, and execute. Nice. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I had a comment. What was it? What was it? It'll come back to me. Well, in the meantime, let me share that uh, teampipeline.us is where you can learn more about how we help medical device and other product engineering or manufacturing teams develop turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines to characterize, inspect, assemble, manufacture, and perform verification testing on your devices. We're speaking with Matthew Gaddy, owner and operator at Gaddy Consulting LLC, where he helps engineers leave 50-plus hour work weeks behind by using their time more productively. Um, so, Matthew, communication is a topic that comes up frequently on our podcast. So, let's talk about how, how engineering teams communicate for a few minutes. You've kind of touched on this already, um, but you, you made an interesting statement in one of your LinkedIn posts where you said perpetual availability is a productivity problem. How should individual team members make themselves available for collaboration with, with other team members, um, but you know, also isolate themselves from, from the noise so that they can focus? They're, they're almost two like, uh, competing requirements there. Yes, they're, they're definitely on opposite ends of the spectrum. And the best way to do that is, I hate to use this word, but communicate with your team and figuring out, <laughs> hey, what day is good for you? Am I able to, if, if we designate Thursday as the day we're going to meet, can we all just say, can we just make Thursday the day we meet? Okay, now let's find a time that all of us are available. Can we find a time for, uh, well, 
So we find a time for all those that are available, then we'll be able to say, this is our co definite collaboration time. We're able to put that time on our calendar and say collaboration exists within this pocket of time. It allows us to have the freedom to collaborate fully in whatever we're doing when we're all on the same page. Once again, in the same example that I brought up before, if you're always available and you're in your collaborating stage, you might be collaborating, but you also might be trying to work on your stuff. Why? Because you haven't set aside time to work on your stuff. So when you set aside time for collaboration, you set aside time to work on your particular activities. It allows you to be fully present and fully productive and just bring your best self into both environments. So it really comes into figuring, talking with your team and letting your team know this is when we're going to be collaborating and also letting them know when you're going to be unavailable. That's the best way to do it because now you guys can even do trade-offs. If there is an inbox that you guys need to watch in order to get information back from a customer or you're waiting on some specs from a manufacturer, but you don't know when it's going to come in, but whenever it comes in, we need to act on it immediately. Well, if I know that Aaron is unavailable between three and four, I can be on the end back from three to four. And then when it, it's Aaron's time, uh, when Aaron's focus time is up, I can hop into my focus time and Aaron command the inbox. So just having that level of collaboration and talking with your team and communicating with them allows you all to work in a cohesive work environment where you're able to collaborate effectively, but also focus effectively as well. So speaking of technology and communication, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, we use a project management tool called, called Rike, W-R-I-K-E, which I love with all my heart. It's one of my favorite tools. Uh, and we can message each other back and forth on that platform, which, which ends up being very task specific, um, which is usually a good thing. But we, we also use Microsoft Teams. Um, and that ends up being a little bit more of a general communication tool. Then, of course, there's, there's email. Um, how should we be utilizing technology to communicate with each other? Uh, especially now that, that work environments have become much more remote and, and more virtual than they have been in the past. The way that I would encourage you all to, to look at your messaging, especially messaging and a direct message sense as well, would be to, whenever you're able, getting ready to ask a question, before you ask the question, stop and really think about it first. Um, a lot of times we ask other people questions simply because it's more convenient and a lot easier for us to ask you the question than for me to struggle with it for five minutes and figure it out. And that's just human nature. It's not just what it is. So whenever you're typing a message, whenever you're getting ready to send that team's message, stop for a second and really think about, okay, how can, if, if this person does not exist and this person is not going to respond to me, if I knew the answer to this, what could it possibly be? And just by asking yourself that question, it opens the door and removes some of the judgment that we have on ourselves of getting the wrong answer and allows us to really just brainstorm and freestyle. Well, it could be this. It could be this. It could be this. Well, then guess what? You've got three options together. Now, when you send that message, you can take those three options and just saying, instead of me asking Aaron, hey, Aaron, how should we do this? I can say, hey, Aaron, I was looking at this problem. I've got three things. Which one of these is closest to what I'm supposed to do? And that puts you in a good light too, because now you're presenting options where I can correct. And it really shows me like, hey, he thought about this first. He didn't just come blindly ask me. And it able, enables you to train your mind to think about the problem in different ways. And it also allows you to think without having that judgment on yourself of, I don't want to get this wrong. It's brainstorming. What could the answer be if I knew the answer? And where should I start looking for it? It really helps a lot of people out. 
That's a great way to think about it. Um, have you ever filled out a form online, like a, a, a vendor asks you for feedback or some kind of rating or something? And sometimes they have um, a scale, like a 1 to 10, and all you have to do is click. And other times they have a blank field where they say, please type in you know, what your thoughts are. I'm always way more likely to just click on the box than I am to actually spend the time typing something out. Exactly. I, I think it's the, <laughs> the same idea, right? If you can be thoughtful enough to think about a few answers beforehand and send them as options, then whoever you're communicating with is probably going to be a lot more, uh, at least is going to appreciate more to, because they don't have to think as much now. Exactly. They just have to select an option. Exactly. Yeah. And it helps you learn the process too, because it can say, Hey, I saw where you were going with this. Let's correct this particular thought process. You started good on this one, but this is where you messed up. And it's a learning exercise rather than just getting the answer. Yep. Oh, and I, I have a pet peeve that I'll share here. All right, go ahead. Uh, uh, this is specific to direct messaging. Um, I guess texting, it, it could fall under that category as well, but it drives me crazy when people, when people send like, five different messages it could have all been one message you know right <laughs> it's like they'll write you know 10 words and they'll hit send and then they'll write 10 more words and they'll hit send and it's like ding 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 right. ding just write it all out at once and send it once so there's one ding not five it drives me crazy <laughs> and, that, and that can go into kind of segueing into to what we were talking about in more productivity aspect setting expectations when we set expectations for people they know that hey Aaron likes it all at one time. He doesn't like five different things at one time. And also can go to your vendors. If you set aside focus time or um, kind of playing on the entrepreneurial uh, productivity that you're talking about before we're having your focus days. If you have regular focus days and you're interacting with customers, letting them know event, uh, in advance, hey, I don't answer emails on Thursday. So when your answer email doesn't get answered on Thursday, it's not, oh my gosh, he's annoying. He's not listening. It's like, no, he doesn't answer <laughs> emails on Thursday. I'll get the answer on Friday. So when we set those expectations in advance. It allows us to be our most productive selves as well without annoying people or making it feel like we're ignoring them. I think setting expectations is a big point. Um, the last guest I had on the show, Joel Williams, Share this really cool tool with me. And it's, it's called the, um, the, the self user guide. And he wrote, and this was, he, he, you know, freely shared that this was something he had learned from some, someone else as well. But, um, it, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, three to six page document that talks about this is how I prefer people work with me. Not necessarily that everyone is going to work that way with you, but at least you've set expectations, right? Uh, so I have a, an, uh, uh, user guide for Aaron and I talk about, uh, this is what time I usually go to bed. This is what time I usually wake up. This is what time I usually start work. These are the times when my phone is just off. So you're not going to get a hold of me. Uh, and it's setting expectations. I think it's such a wonderful tool. I, I, I hope, I hope some people on my team take me up on my offer and, and write their own and share it with me and, and others on the team because it's a great way to communicate with other people. I'm going to make that note. I'll have to write mine right after this. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. I had a particularly grueling week uh, a few weeks back. I put in almost 80 hours, which which is very much not common for me. But that week, I, I just it couldn't be avoided. And this is after I had discarded all the, the could-do and the should-do activities. Um, at the end of the week, I was definitely tired, but I'd also accomplished all the things that, uh, that I needed to. And so that, that was a really good feeling. Um, I think sometimes we, we hold up these long hours as like badges of honor, um, among our peers. 
Um, even though 80 hours is, is well beyond the norm for me, I probably routinely do 50 plus hour weeks. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm wondering what your opinion is on this. Is, is that bad? Am I, am I hurting my own productivity by working that much? That is not a simple question to ask. The way that I would go about determining that would be not even what your results were of that week, but what activities did you actually do? Because we might spend the first half of our days being extra productive and working on our must-haves, but then the next four hours, eight hours, whatever it may be, we might just be goofing around. And that ends up acting, adding up to, not saying you were goofing around, but that might end up being 50, 60, 70 hours, but you really only did 20 hours of actual productive time. So I think when we're looking at trying to evaluate how long we should be working. I think that looking at it in a time-based concept is something that is detrimental to our productivity, actually, because this was something that, that I ran into, and then I'll, I'll, I promise I'll bring it back around, something that I ran into when I was in the engineering space. Well, we had eight-hour workdays. Well, if I have to be here for eight hours, what is my incentive to be productive if I can get it done in four because I have to be here. Because then it's like, okay, I still have to fill four hours of space, and this is the only project I'm working on because I finished everything else. Why would I get this being productive now? So really looking at what were you actually doing in those 80, 80 hours or 50 hours, 60 hours, whatever it may be, to determine were all 60 of those hours um, productive actions. Because generally, without looking at your schedule, the majority of them may not be. They may be. They may not be. So instead of looking at the time aspect of it, we have to look at the results results aspect of it. Are the activities that I'm working on going to lead to the goals I have to set for myself? Are these going to accomplish the tasks that I'm trying to achieve? Rather than looking at, I spent 50 hours doing this. I said 60 hours doing this. Because you can spend 60 hours doing, you know, playing video games at work. But yeah, right. hey, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Great way to think about it. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about your work and how you work with engineers. Why do you find engineers typically connect with you? You know, what, what are some of the reasons that if listeners are thinking to themselves right now, um, they should consider giving you a buzz? Because I understand. I was in the industry for, wow, almost eight years. Um, so a lot of the growing pains or the different ways of operating I've been exposed to. So when someone says, oh, we work 60 hours this week, that's not something super foreign to me where I'm like, oh my gosh, did y'all get overtime? It's like, no, we had to finish it out. So being able to, to speak that engineer language, but also being someone who is able to speak a fresh outlook on a position. I'm not going to be cut and I'm not going to be dry with you. I'm not going to be monotone. It's like, hey, is this what you chose to do? Let's find something in what you're doing to get excited about. Because if you can't get excited about anything you're doing, then maybe you need to talk to one of my friends, Jeff, who's a career coach, because it's going to be really difficult for you to be productive in a job that you hate. Or you're going to have to spend a lot more energy to be productive in a job that you hate. And rather, you might be able to get something done in two hours. It's going to take you four hours just because the entire time you're working, like, I hate this thing and I don't like it. So being able to, to speak the engineer language, but also being able to be on the outside looking in, helping to give them perspective and just say, hey, 
You may feel like you're overwhelmed right now. You may feel like you've got all of this on your shoulders. You might feel like you don't know what to do, like you can't breathe. But I'm here to let you know that I'm looking at it from the outside in. I see a plan that we can follow. I, if you follow this framework, I'll walk you through it. It'll help you to handle this and be able to accomplish the task you have set for yourself. And ultimately, I want you to be able to do this for yourself. My job is to help people not need me anymore. I, that's <laughs> my, I want to coach myself out of a job. When you nice, leave working with nice. me, I don't, I want to see you again because like all, everybody I've worked with is cool and I do like enjoying, uh, do enjoy speaking with them. But hey, the things we've talked about, I want you to be able to do this for yourself. I want you to be able to do this for other people as well. I want you to be able to sit down with your team and say, this is what I learned from Matthew. This is how you can apply it in your life so that you can be the productivity leader at your place, at your place of work. So that's my ultimate goal. And that's what I think really sets me apart from everyone else. Wonderful. Wonderful. Right. This next question, uh, I'm, I'm not sure it's directly related to what you do, but I think it's at least tangentially related. I'd like to hear your opinion on it. Um, in a sales context, I have, I have found that if I focus my efforts on a small group of companies or individuals sustained over time, I'm a lot more effective than if I focus my energies on a large number of groups or individuals that are relatively short-lived efforts. Um, and I'm wondering if there is a corollary to, to, uh, uh, engineering specializations. In, in other words, uh, do you think that, um, uh, we as engineers should be focusing our efforts on like, uh, be- becoming specialized w- within our engineering industry, um, as opposed to trying to be kind of jacks of all trades or, or renaissance men of engineering or women, of course. I, I think once again, it goes back to what you want to do. If you want to be in a director, CEO level role, it would help for you to specialize, not, maybe not specialize to the same manner as a subject matter expert in that particular activity, but you do need to have enough information for you to ask what I call intelligent questions. Can I ask an intelligent question about what's going on here? Am I able to quickly learn this particular, this, this particular, um, information and apply it and see how this relates to something else. Now, if you want to go into a subject matter expert role, specialize, 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 and then go to something that's tangential to that and specialize in that as well. And then that's where the innovation comes in. You're able to specialize in, I don't know, computer programming, and then also in some other facet of engineering. You'll be able to find that, oh, this interacts with this. And the only reason I can do it is because I'm the only one that specialized in this and in this. allows you to have those innovative um, insights. So to I hate to be this guy, but it really does depend on what you want to do. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I don't, I know, I know, I know that's not the answer, but it really does depend on what you want to do. So I wouldn't say that it is bad for you to specialize. I wouldn't say it's bad for you not to specialize, but you need to be, make those decisions on purpose rather than just being in that particular decision. Uh, so figure yeah. out what you want to do first. Yeah. It, it comes back to being intentional. Exactly. Right? What's your, what's your goal? Uh, decide what your goal is and then figure out the best way to get there. Exactly. Um, if there was one thing that you could paint on a billboard as advice or a best practice that was going to be seen by millions of engineers, what would that thing be? Probably would be slow down, dot, 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 focus. 
slow down, dot, 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 focus. We, we move much too fast a lot of the time, and we feel that moving fast is always synonymous with being productive. And sometimes the most productive thing for us to do is to either move slow or sometimes not even move at all. So where that meditation comes in. Sometimes the best thing for you to do is sit, rest, relax your mind, bring yourself back into the present, and then work on something rather than just going from here to here to here to here to here. Movement doesn't equal productivity. Yeah. Yeah. Our engineering manager likes to say the best way to get something done quickly is to do it slowly. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's see, Matthew, what, uh, for all those people out there who are listening to this episode and, and thinking to themselves, man, this guy, Matthew, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I, I need to talk with him and, and get some help on my productivity. Uh, what, what's the best way to, to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is through my website. It's just my name, MatthewGaddy.com, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-G as in go, A-D as in dog, D as in dog, Y.com. You can sign up for my email list there. You'll get a weekly uh, productivity newsletter and also be able to connect with me there. I'd love to speak with anyone who is struggling with productivity, not even going to try and sell you anything. I'm here to help more people than than anything else. So if you have any questions, if you have any things where it's just like, hey, I call them, uh, am I crazy? checks. This is what I was doing. This is what I did. Am I crazy? Am I not crazy? Does it make sense? What's going on? So I love being able to do those for people and being able to support you in your productivity in whatever way I can. You know, something I've learned uh, from working with a lot of coaches over the year is that uh, people who are in a coaching role, they, they, they seem to genuinely want to help people. I mean, that's why they're doing what they're doing. So w- w- when you say you know, you're not not even going to try and sell them anything. I, I think you're probably being very sincere about that. And you, you probably really just enjoy, even if it's just, you know, a half an hour conversation to see if it's a good fit. How can you help? Um, I think that's probably something that, that you really enjoy. And I, I hope people take you up on it. Yeah. It, I'm a productivity nerd. So you're giving me an opportunity to talk about stuff that I find interesting. So thank you for allowing <laughs> me to talk to you about what I care about. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, Matthew, is, is there anything else that we should have talked about that we, we haven't hit on yet? Um, I would just, as a reminder to everyone listening to this, this podcast, we've talked, I've, I've hit harped on goals a lot and I want to continue to harp on goals. Remember what you're working towards. It, it's a, it's basically like a beacon for your activity. Whatever your goals are, what if they're your personal goals, your department goals, find somewhere where you can see them at your workplace, find somewhere you can see them when you sit down working at your computer and really begin to analyze and cross-reference and say, will this thing I'm working on right now help me achieve those things that are written down on a sheet of paper right there? The answer is yes, do it, do it with gusto, do it to the best of your ability. If the answer is no, find some time in your calendar to do it later and find an activity that will. I think that is deceptively simple and powerful advice. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Matthew. Well, thanks so much for uh, hanging out today. This has been just a, a delightful conversation, and I, I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on, and I look forward to speaking to you more soon. I'm Aaron Moncur, founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering. If you liked what you heard today, please share the episode. To learn how your team can leverage our team's expertise developing turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines, and with product design, visit us at teampipeline.us. Thanks for listening.